Before today's episode, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and recognise their continued connection to the beautiful land and sea. I'd also like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging, and I extend this acknowledgement to the traditional owners of the land my listeners are on. Welcome to Ritual the Podcast, your cottage in the woods, a sacred space for the witches, the healers, the magical folk to meet and speak of wisdom, witchery, and old world magic, where people come to learn, to hear stories, to share secrets, and to be free to be their true selves. Welcome to Ritual. So when I started my Hecate journey, when I really started to work with her, one of the things I always do is I'm such a like nerd for information and I like to read everything. I like to watch everything. And then I think it was probably towards the end of last year, I found this amazing book um, and it was called Hecate Goddess of the Witches. And it was one of those ones where when you start, you kind of like inhale the entire thing. And that's why today I'm very excited because I am sitting here with the author of this amazing book. Um, Her name is Courtney Weber. She is a Wiccan priestess. She is a tarot advisor and she is a writer of so many amazing books. Like I know everyone who has read a book from her and the first thing they say is, oh my God, I love her book. She's such an amazing writer and I'm not trying to suck up to you right now. But I truly mean it. I think that you are, you have a gift of words. So thank you, Courtney. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Amy. And my long weathered ego could use the boost. So I'm great. (laughs) I'll keep it coming. I'll keep it coming. I'll just make a note every five minutes. Tell Courtney she's amazing. Okay. And then when when my husband comes home, he'll be like, who are you talking to? Oh my God, you're on the ceiling. What are we going to do? Apparently I'm amazing. So, you know, I know, I know that's exactly (laughs) Um, what I'm going to say. So where, where are you in the world right now? I am in a little town called McMinnville, uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon, which is on the West coast of the United States. We've got three States on the West coast. Yeah. California, Oregon, and Washington, Oregon's in the middle. So I'm between, um, two giant silicone, I almost said silicone, Silicon Valley, like, uh, you know, Microsoft to the North Silicon Valley to the South. So I yeah. want to go to Portland so much. I've heard oh, it's should. beautiful. It's is it, is it's it like, be- I imagine it to be very like sea town. Is that completely imaginary or is it? Well, it's a, it's a funky, weird little city um, with a big river that's, that's flowing through the middle of it. Um, mm. It's, you know, it is, <laughs> I guess I describe it. I describe it in comparison to our neighbor, Seattle to the North. Yeah. And a lot of people are familiar with Seattle because of yep. the grunge scene in the nineties and, uh, and sleepless in Seattle, sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, they're very rainy cities. They're very progressive. Yes. Um, they're full of, they're full of white people, um, <laughs> which <laughs> take from that what you will. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, then, um, we have, um, I, I consider like Seattle and Portland, to be siblings and Seattle is a sibling that was super popular and cool in high school and got kind of boring as it got older, <laughs> yeah. you know, got a really, got a really steady job is making a lot of money, yeah. got a big house in the suburbs and married a really nice, but kind they of boring the boxes. 
They ticked all the boxes. Mm. They're super dependable. They're always going to be there for you, mm-hmm. but they're not going to bring the party. Now, Portland <laughs> is the sibling that can't quite get its shit together. You know, you start yeah. to think they're, they're it's like, oh, you're turning a corner. You got it going. And then they just go off the rails again. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, okay, well, that was, that was, that was some effort there. They had a thing going for a while. We it's thought progress. they were going up. But it's progress. <laughs> At the same time, they're the ones that keeps the whole family on their toes yes, and keeps pushing them further into thinking bigger. And they're a lot more fun at parties. That's so the best then, description of a place I've ever had. <laughs> it is. It's like Portland. There was this, this period of time where, I mean, when I was growing up, Portland, no one knew where it was. They were like, what the hell is Portland? Yeah. And um, there wasn't much going on um, there. And, and then um, it got, then a lot of people started moving there in like the 2000s and it became super hip and super cool and yeah. super popular and then um you know it was started to get really big and i was like oh we're feeling like seattle but it's okay it took a dive again it's <laughs> well not that right don't worry don't worry yeah it, it, took, it took a dive it's it's got it got funky there's there's you know it, it's it's in a it's it's in a it's having a tough time right now i'm not gonna lie yeah. um you know i think a lot of a lot of American cities are in Portland. It's because yes. I think it's geographically small. Um, we've noticed it a lot more, yeah. and um, it just got hit really, really hard by some of the housing crises and yeah, um, you know, the pandemic and some drugs, and it's just been um, so. We, we, you know, Portland's it's still got that really weird progressive spirit, um, and. Um, but it's um which it's, is and, much you know, better I'm, than a lot of places over there at the moment i must say yes yeah it's hard yeah, like, it's a- watching from here it's a chaos like i i yeah. every day i go on a rant about it because i'm like this is the most insane thing i've ever heard like for such a progressive country i'm going what are you doing oh honey so i can only imagine oh honey <laughs> i know i know it's probably <laughs> I know. oh honey you think we're progressive but now I know that you're not um and I can only imagine what it feels like to be there at the moment like there must be so much like conflict within people and also anger that's just how I what I see from it well you know it's been Honestly, it has been in a, it's been like this and it's, it's gotten worse, but it's gotten, it's been like this for 20 years mm. since nine 11. Um, yeah. and the, the way things it, it nine 11, we had this incredibly divisive, it, people were scared, yeah. um, and they were in shock and they, there was a lot of, of grief and anger and grief and anger can manifest in some really cruel yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, and the, the president at the time really ushered in this kind of cow, like this idealistic cowboy mentality, um, which I'm not going to go my rant about who cowboys really were, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) but, um, it it was the sense of, you can't question what's going on because then you're not a patriot. And I was one of those kids that was out there protesting the Iraq war. I was questioning our reasons for going in Afghanistan. And every time I did, it was, you don't love your country. You are a traitor because for asking the questions and, but then Amy, it got weirder Mm. because it like, 
it's it's kind of we started to feel like things were shifting um you know obama was far from perfect i'm not going to hold him up no. as like this savior there's i got a lot of problems with obama however he did help usher in some a few progressive measures that helped a lot of people in this country mainly when it comes to um you know same-sex marriage and gay yes. rights and um also he tried really hard to bring in um some uh, measures in protecting the environment um he was he was really hamstrung in a lot of ways by congress um how why that happened i'm not going to bore you with the way our governance is structured but <laughs> he tried and was was unable to but then it's kind of weird that whole like uber nationalist rhetoric mm. turned into something even more malignant when trump came on uh, the scene yeah now it's not like that sense of Patri quote unquote patriotism that we saw in the early 2000s has turned into Trumpism. Yeah. And it's yes. no longer about like love your country. It's a sense of love Trump. Yes. Which is so and his ideals. Yes. And it is mm. so terrifying because mm. I, I even before when I vehemently disagreed with that mentality, vehemently disagreed with those thoughts, at least I could understand where they came from they came from there a was place still of love fear. in it love there, your well, country a weird, in a way a weird mm. narcissistic social yeah. you know a uh, 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 codependent kind of love sure yeah. <laughs> but it was at least it was at least understood it's like yeah. this is a reaction to an, an attack and you can yes. go into the reasons it's you can there's a, it was a reaction to an attack yeah and it came out in some ways that were were that i did not agree with and i i did not i do not there was I do not believe a questioning a war means that you hate the military. That's no. like not that's the, or that you would hate specific people that would serve in the military. That's that's the kind of argument we were fed that if you question this, that you hate yeah. Joe Brown down the street, who's fighting for your country. I'm like, Joe Brown's a pawn in a really ugly game. I got no problem with him, but I got a problem with the people who sent him. Like there was no room for nuance, but at least that was, that was an, I, I could follow that rhetoric, but totally. now it's just completely, it's just completely rooted in hate and racism yeah. and it's terrifying. And it honestly is watching an encroaching theocracy, mm. literally not give a shit. They, yes. they don't care. No, they don't. Um, they don't care. It's, it's not, it used to be, they pretended you no. know, that this kind of evangelical, mostly Protestant, the Catholics are involved too, mostly Protestant movement. But as um, it, it, now they 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 literally don't care. No, if it's like says no, we don't care if if not everybody in this country can vote. We don't yeah. care if the election was legal. We're going to say it wasn't legal, and we're going to destroy the capital to get it back. We don't care if this hurts people who are black or brown. We don't care. We don't care if this hurts women. We don't care mm. if women die. Like mm. it, it's the sense of we just they just said this is it doesn't matter i mean and it's what we say you know, and that's what it is yeah they're like it's like mm. this is the new movement and what was really scaring me is we've got people and it's getting bigger yeah. because it's not just trump anymore it's all these little trump these trumpinis these little, the little mini trumps mini mm. trumps all over the country there's there's a woman running for i can't even keep up with all these fucking races right now amy i'm sorry no, but I it's know. like that's why i look at it and go what the hell the is fuck? happening yeah so it's like this there was remember there's one woman who was running for governor in in typically a rather progressive state and she came out and said we're going to get rid of this separation of church and state shit like that's the new mentality where they're not <sighs> even pretending anymore to care about things that are in that are uh, the founding of this country 
for better or worse, you know, there's, this, there's a lot of problematic things about the founding of this country, yeah. as you understand being in Australia, but it's, um, uh, the, but, uh, you know, the, to just completely say, we don't care anymore about, mm. and in some ways it's kind of like, okay, well, at least we're being honest. So I know what we're dealing well, with, you, you know, but it as, as a plus, but <laughs> yeah, really. but it's, it's really, yeah, it's really mm. scary. And, uh, mm. you know, I've, I've had, um, I've, I've you know, the, the fact that you can, now it's legal to open carry your guns anywhere like after right after we've had yet another mass shooting it's that yeah well it's okay to open to open carry but you can't have an abortion for a life-saving yes. procedure this is the thing that really like frustrates me is i saw this video and this guy was uh, like um he was protesting abortion and he said you know it's kill it's murder it's whatever and the guy goes have you got a gun on you and he goes yes he goes, well, what do you plan on doing that? And he goes, well, you know, I'll do whatever's necessary. And he goes, so again, you think abortion is murder. He's like, yes, but you can carry the gun and you'll use it however you need to. He goes, yes. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, but it's it's really, it's about like, <clears throat> it's if, you know, this person, it, in here, it, that's where, where I feel like this is all really sinister because if, they, if they're looking at someone who doesn't look like them and doesn't believe what they believe, that's then wrong. we can get rid of them. They're expendable. But this potential of a human life, that <sighs> potential human is potentially malleable and could become part of, could be like that person. Yeah. Um, so that's where I feel like that's all coming from. It's like, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's really, really scary. Um, but mm -hmm. you know what? It, at the same time, we're, you know, we're still going out to have coffee. We're still yeah. seeing our friends. We're still going to work. Uh, we're still watching stupid shows. Um, my husband and I will go out to dinner later. We'll probably stop by and say hi to some friends. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still living life. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways, it's like, it, it's also given me perspective as a privileged little cushy American in this side of the world when we're shown <laughs> like look at this country that's so far away and they are having all these riots what a dangerous place and then you're like "Ooh, that place is scary and then it's like yeah, yeah and people are also having birthday parties over there and totally. they're living Life and they're having a good time you're you know it's just it's just a thing it's like I experienced this when I lived in, you know, I grew up here in Oregon and I lived in New York City for 13 years. And the way that each place reacted to the other place was very funny because I was in New York and this woman had seen a documentary about someday on the West Coast, we're going to have a big earthquake. We're on the ring of fire. Our turn is coming up. You yeah. know, it's, it's going to happen one of these days. It's just natural. And she's like, how can you guys live out there? I saw yeah. what the tsunami would do to the coast. How could you like sleep at night? I couldn't sleep at night. You have volcanoes. I couldn't do it. And I'm just like, I don't know. And I said, well, do you know that? I said, do you travel through Times Square every day? And she says, yeah. I said, mm. people in Portland want to know how can you get on a subway and go through Times Square knowing it's such a major terrorist target, aren't you? Yeah. She's like, well, no, you got to just get live. I'm like, yeah, you just got to live. That's so, like people don't want to come know, here because they think they're going to get eaten by a spider or a snake. Well, goes, that's actually well, true, though, Amy, and you all are in deep danger. <laughs> and I was going to talk to you about this. I'm just thinking that you're in great denial about the dangers of we your are. spiders and snakes. It's the venom. The venom. It's getting to our brains. We can't think listen, properly anymore. <laughs> listen, I saw one of your spiders dragging a giant snake up a wall. I know what they're capable of. 
literally my husband says he's not coming with me to australia because he knows he's eaten by a spider and i'm like yeah i, I yeah. probably will too so it's okay we live dangerously <laughs> over here right but just thank you know to be we alive. have encroaching theocracy you have snake eating spiders pick your poison friends where do you want to be <gasps> oh that's very true okay now <laughs> let me get to my first question now that i've done that um let's go right back and i love to start this um, at the start of every interview, because I find it really interesting to see what people do. But do you have a morning ritual? Do you have a something that you do every day? And it could be like a magical one. It could be mundane or a bit of both. But is there a way that you like to start your day? Yes, absolutely. And um, fallen a little bit off my practice this week. So I feel like this is a reminder to get back on it. So mm-hmm. um, I try to make the first thing I do is to simply go outside in the morning and mm-hmm. greet my mm-hmm. land spirits. Um sometimes like in the deepest part of the winter i'll usually bring some rice out and leave it as an offering in the driest part of the summer i'll come out in the morning and leave water Mm. um i and um i just go out and acknowledge them and i compliment the shit out of them tell them how beautiful they are how fresh the air smells and that everything is just beautiful and like super casual i don't do a big old like invoke a circle and bring mm-hmm. in the this and then they're just like i'm just like look at you trees you, look <laughs> you know um and um then you know sometimes that carries into different parts of the day where one of my commitments to the my land spirits is to try to keep is try to get the invasive weeds off of it which is a much bigger task than you know for i, I just uh, i i am just a uh, just a a greenhouse of local invasive species <laughs> um and they love me and they keep coming back. So I'm, I'm trying really hard to help them at job. least that part of it. Jesus Christ, the, the Canadian thistle. I'm really sorry, Canada. You are great in so many ways, <laughs> but you can take your thistle home. Um, although I don't think it's actually originally Canadian. I think it is another gift from Europe that they brought over <laughs> on some boat. But um, the, this, um, and then when I go inside, I try to, I usually light the candle on my altar and um i will usually pull a tarot card in the morning and read mm-hmm. from rachel pollock's uh, book 78 degrees of wisdom um and then i will normally journal um i'll mention write down what the card said but then also just talk about what happened the day before mm-hmm. um you know i used to write a lot about my feelings and things and i found that that actually could be really boring to read later but yeah. when i write when i write about the things i did like even if it's as much as I went to the grocery store and this thing was on sale, or then I had coffee with so-and-so, that's always much more interesting later to look back and look at the things you did. Mm-hmm. Um, if I really need to write my feelings down, I will. And then I try to do some other kind of reading or some other kind of self-work. Um, I've been slowly working through Diana Rachel's Hex Twisting, which has been super fun. She's very, very funny writer and talks a lot about throwing hexes back because when you're a public witch, it's something you need to learn to do. Yes. Um, and then, um, um, I'm also, I do some group coaching, um, with a woman named Cara Lowenthal, who does unfuck your brain. And so I, I joined her coaching group. Um, so I was just trying to work on some improvements in my thought work. And sometimes it is just get the coffee going. Yes. The most and important then, and, thing. And then just slog into the day. Sometimes <laughs> that's my ritual as I yeah. just turned on the stove and got the water going. So, yeah. It's self-care. Self-care it's is self-care. important. Self-care, you, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a process I built over time. Like I first started just by going outside. And then later that turned into go outside and light a candle. Then mm-hmm. go outside and pull a tarot card. Then go outside and pull a tarot card and journal. You know, that it just, it built onto it. And now is, you know, I, I mix it up and try to do 
something every morning just to give my time to myself before I start the day. Because one yep. thing I learned is that if you start your day with a little time for yourself, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, you still will have time to do everything else later that day. But mm-hmm. if you put yourself your self time off, you you won't have time. And no. you know, maybe you're someone's the person listening isn't a morning person who's like, listen, it's gotta be at night for me. You know, more power to you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really care when people do their things, but I have noticed it is whatever your schedule is like, if you car set aside the time for you and you hold that sacrosanct, you will still have time to do all the other stuff. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, I always find as well, if I don't do it, I find it easier to make excuses not to do it the later it gets yes. in the day because I'm too tired. I, and I'm like, oh, I won't focus properly. Oh, I won't appreciate it or, you know, whatever. And then you easily go, I'll do it tomorrow. But if you've already done it, then it's done. You don't have to yes. go through that process of lying to yourself the rest of the day. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so how did your witch journey start? Were you, were you always one? Did it, did it come to you at a certain point? Like how, tell me how, how did it all happen? I was always a really weird kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my dad's family's Catholic. We were raised technically Catholic, went to, you know, Catholic, Catholic, CCD Catholic classes during the week. And yeah, you know, they, they, <laughs> I was the only, I was the only fourth grader at my first communion because my parents forgot I was supposed <laughs> to do first communion when I was in second grade. So I was there towering over all the other kids getting my first communion. It was very funny. Um, so I, <laughs> I, um, I was definitely in like, I love the rituals of Catholicism. I was obsessed with yeah. the candles and the incense and the saints. And I really was into the scary stuff. Like I wanted to know about, you know, the book of revelations, um, the apocalypse, the seven, seven seals. I was always into the really scary aspects, mm-hmm. but, um, but every time they would start to scratch those in <clears throat> school, they would kind of turn away as soon as they realized that's really what I wanted to know about. And be like, well, now let's talk about why masturbation is a cinema. Like, excuse me, can we talk <laughs> again about when, when the, the, the veil was rendered and the earth went dark? <laughs> What was going on? You what know. did that feel like? What, what was happening? Did, <laughs> what was it? Was it a storm or an eclipse? Did the sun just go did out? It rain? Did it rain? What happened? And what was that? What was going on? You know, and did he smell when he came out of the cave? Like, I just like, had, I had these stupid, weird questions. And so they would be like, oh, God. Um, and <laughs> Courtney's then, here uh, again. I know they're like, okay, it's the strange girl. And then, <laughs> which I still, it's still, still that it's like, okay. Um, then (laughs) I was, um, then I went to, um, my mom's family is Southern Baptist. Um, Mm -hmm. so from like the mountains of North Carolina, which is a very, um, deeply, like the thing is about Southern Baptism is it's, 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 you know, it's, it's so much closer to the family and the people Mm -hmm. than it is because you've, you've got, uh, the whole, I'm probably fucking up the history here. So y'all, y'all don't yell at me. I didn't go to Baptist school. I went to Catholic school. The bab- the Baptists were like, we don't need the priest to baptize us. We can baptize ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, it would literally baptize themselves often in the river. I had a lot of relatives that were baptized in the river until my grandfather built the church with a tank in it. And then, you know, my mom was the first one in the fish tank. There we go. So, um, this, um, but there's a sense of which like spirit and God being so close by and so, 
connected to everything that you do. And there's also like a deep but unspoken belief in um, a spirit world. So there's a real fear about ghosts. There's a real fear of 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 the devil the devil is like constantly talking about the devil and as as i've gotten older i've realized more that it's not like the devil in the way catholics see the devil that it's like one entity who's in hell that's like trying to draw you down there whereas the devil in in kind of more of the baptist mythology and framework is like anything that is um is 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 hateful or scary or Mm. or 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 cruel or mean or mm-hmm. you know there's a sense in that a lot of a lot of things can be blamed on the devil you know somebody having a, a powerful somebody's an act of violence is the devil an act yeah. of you know um uh, an act of you know saying something really unkind to someone is an act of the devil it's like the sense of this being all present well of course that fascinated the fuck out of me as well because i'm like oh there's ghosts and there's the you know devils and you know and always wanting to know about that kind of stuff like just and so but of course that means out oh, courtney that's the weird girl again and just rest, <laughs> you know so um but when i was um and i grew up in like i said i grew up in oregon which is a very secular place honestly mm-hmm. um this we, the, the church has never really had much of a grasp out here yeah of course we've got our pockets of some very very weird christian sects but for the most part there's just not like the christian influence that say is in you know in the midwest or further yeah. south um so I used to, I did go to this Bible camp every summer and it was on the Oregon coast, which is a really beautiful place. Um, it's all public beach. So it's not been turned into a bunch of resorts Wow. and you know, it's, um, still very much left wild. And so there's mm-hmm. just this very deep, powerful presence that I always felt was like, well, I feel a lot more God at the beach than I do at church. Why do yeah. I feel more God at the beach than I do at church? And, um, you know, then as I got older and just kept getting drawn more and more to tarot cards into it was the 90s everybody was into angel cards and angel speak and mm-hmm. talking to angels and celestial everything and then um you know one day i read a book on wicca and i was like oh shit this is everything i already believe yeah and it's an existing religion <laughs> um, so i you know took that it was actually right around 9 11 that it happened um and i think that happened for a lot of folks people were questioning I'm probably around the world, but certainly here in the United States, people were started, you know, having a, a seeking their what they believe, what they truly believed. When you have yeah. those kinds of experiences of of um, of loss or trauma, it does lead you to either abandon religions or pick one yeah. up. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Absolutely. that for me it was was going that direction. Cool. And so, do you still consider yourself a Wiccan now? You know, I don't really consider myself a Wiccan now. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I really got into this, that was just what people called witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of things that's just kind of the default term. And it's only really been in the last few years when I really looked at different Wiccan traditions and recognized I just technically haven't gone through those steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't practice that way anymore. It's mm-hmm. not like I have a rejection of it. It's not that I you know, think there's a problem with it or that I don't want anything to do with it. I just think that it's, it's like saying, well, it's, it's almost like saying, you know, someone who's like, I'm not a Catholic, not that I have a problem with being Catholic, but I was never baptized. I never went through confirmation. I didn't mm-hmm. do all the, or I never did, you know, any of those things. So I don't, I can't really technically call myself that, you know, can you explain um, for people who don't understand between someone who 
it does witchcraft and someone who is a Wiccan, what would you say are the differences between them? Because I, I feel like they're very blurred and it really just depends on how you choose to practice. Like they can kind of go between the two, but how would you describe the difference between them? You know, well, Wiccans or people that are in Wiccan traditions, I, I think without, I'm sure with, there's always few, there's always exceptions, but I think with, with few exceptions do identify as witches mm-hmm. um, because, and that they are practicing witchcraft. Yeah. To me, witchcraft is the practice of using spirit work to make change. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but at Wic- Wicca has, um, or many, most Wiccan traditions have a very um, specific form of initiation Mm-hmm. And then there are specific practices around it, um, specific tools that are involved with, with Wiccan rituals. Um, and while of course every, there's going to be a spectrum there, it's not, it's, it's not a monolith. Um, there, there tends to be more of a theology mm-hmm. to Wicca and it is a kind, it is a, pra- a kind of witchcraft because there's all kinds of witchcraft yes. out there. And I, so I would say Wicca is a kind of witchcraft that tends to have a more structured theology and a series of initiations attached. Yes. Whereas other forms of witchcraft might have some of that, but might not. Mm-hmm. Um, so my witchcraft that I'm, I'm have, you know, come, has come through has um, traditionally been very deity based. Yes. And that again is also shifting for me as well, just because of life and circumstances, but also very much connected to power of place, like working with my land spirits and, and mm-hmm. building that relationship. Um, and, um, and, and drawing from, um, specific traditions that are either, you know, it's, it's interesting because I have kind of, I wouldn't say gone back, but some of the, the, you know, the Christianity I was raised with and the, the kind of magic within the Christianity that I was drawn to, I have pulled some of that back into my life. So mm-hmm. working with the saints, praying to different saints is something that um, I've started to, to pull back in again as well. Interesting. Um, you, yeah, using the Bible in prayer and using more folk magic that's connected with Bible magic um, is something that I've, I've worked on as well um, and that I found to be, I found to be, um, very easy to access just because of my history and also what my ancestors are Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i love that about witchcraft i love that you can literally just like kind of pull bits from all directions and form your own i think that because for me i've always grown up and been very and i'm still like this where if i'm like told you have to do it like this i just go well i don't i don't want to but i love that you can create something that's completely your own and you can like use different life experiences, use different places where you are at certain points of your life and create this path that's completely your own. And you, you can just say it's witchcraft. You don't have to give it a specific term. I just think that's one of the most magical parts about it is that you can just do kind of whatever you want because it works for you. Yeah. I mean, within reason, I think that there's, to me, witchcraft there's there's one definition and that it's like are you doing magic to affect change yeah whether it's in yourself in the world around you like are you basically are you casting spells yeah and because i've met um i've met people throughout my journey that call themselves witches who are um hardcore organizers you know they're radical feminists 
um, they're artists and they're doing really great fuck the patriarchy kind of work. And so they embrace the term witch, which I think these people are doing fabulous work, but I mm -hmm. don't agree when they call themselves witches, unless they're actually doing some kind of spell yeah. casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I they're not, that. then it's, I mean, I don't go around getting mad about it. Like, oh, you're taking our term. I just look at them <laughs> and go, I don't think you're actually a witch, but I think yeah. you're really cool. You know, <laughs> um, that's, and I'm careful that I don't apply the term witch to others, especially if they are, a pra they are practicing something that I might view as witchcraft, but from an indigenous tradition, mm -hmm. um, because the, the term witch can be, um, extremely derogatory in certain circumstances. And just because somebody and the, in witch and witchcraft has been used by Colin, by Colin, you know, by colonialism, um, and coloniz colonization to admonish indigenous spiritual practice around the world and say, well, that's yeah. not, that's not religion. That's witchcraft. Yeah. So even if say there is a spiritual elder who is doing what I would personally recognize as spell work, I wouldn't call that person a witch no. myself because it's not my term to apply to someone mm -hmm. else. Now, if they hear about what I'm doing, they go, oh, well, I'm a witch too. I'm doing something similar. I'd be like, awesome. Let's witch together, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and you know, the, 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 the question of cultural appropriation comes up a lot and it's, it's caused a lot of, of, of anger and discomfort. And, and, you know, I, I do think as witches, especially as, as, you know, white witches, people, you know, need to be mindful as we go through the world. And it is, doesn't mean that you, but mindful means that doesn't mean you don't learn from other people. And yeah. sometimes I feel like people's fear of culturally appropriating that they won't read a book by a Mexican author about yeah. brujeria because they're like, well, it would be appropriation for me to learn. Yeah. Well, no, it's not appropriation to learn on the terms of the culture. You're right? bringing so it, awareness it's a, to it. That's respect. You're bringing awareness. And yeah, so if it's, you know, you've got to, and this is something I've talked about with um, some Mexican-American authors that are writing about their practices. They're like, well, I want people to buy my book, yeah, you know? And if, if I'm writing about it in the book, then it's okay for you to embrace pieces of that within your practice where yeah. it starts to become, um, where it starts to become hurtful and damaging is when things are taken out of context. Yes. Um, they're used in a way without, cause it looks cool without any understanding of the purpose of the, of the, of the item or the ritual, or mm -hmm. is it, you know, like with white sage here in um, the United States got really popular <laughs> with, with new agers and witches, mm. and it got severely over harvested and became inaccessible to many native American communities that have had a practice of using this, using this plant as, as, as a sacred herb for thousands of years. Yeah. And suddenly they can't get it. Well, that's, that's a problem. Yes. You know? Um, yes. and so it's, you know, there, it comes down to, okay, well maybe it's not appropriating to do a smoke clearing, but let's be mindful of what herbs we're using. Is this being over harvested? And is now, is it, is it harder for the people who have been using it for thousands of years to now yeah. get a hold, you know, get a hold of it? Then maybe let's think about using something else. Exactly. You know, at the same time, I have a friend who's from Guatemala, uh, she's from Guatemala mm. and she brought me Palo Santo that she collected herself when she mm -hmm. was at home visiting her family. Well, it would, it would be rude for me to not take it and be yeah. like, well, that's appropriating. I shouldn't use it. No, she yeah. gave it to me in it friendship. It was a gift. Mm. It was a gift. And so, yes, I use that at my altar, but do I, am I opening an Etsy shop with <laughs> the stuff she's given me? No, 
you know, so it's, it's really a, it's, it is a journey of mindfulness and yeah. a journey of respect. Um, and I, I just want people to understand that, that just because something is not of your culture or you're not of that culture, doesn't mean you can't learn from it or you shouldn't, you definitely Absolutely. want to try to learn from the people in those source cultures who are willingly sharing it. Now that yeah. culture isn't willingly sharing it. You know, you might want to go learn something from that. someone else, but there's a lot of people out there that want to share their, in, you know, their ancestral traditions. Yeah. And so go learn from them. Totally. Know. And I think, I think it always just comes down to respect. It's like, what is that person willing to do? That's what you should respect. If they want to share, then you should give them respect of learning from them and then finding mm -hmm. how you, if you want to incorporate it, you can do it in a respectful way. If they're saying, no, you can't, then that's something you also have to respect. So it is, it's just like listening more than anything. It's yeah. just listening. Yeah, exactly. Or they might say you can participate in this ritual with me, but I'm not going to teach you how to do the ritual. And yeah. it would be, I'd be up. It would not be right if you often started leading rituals like and this. And that's on the your boundary. Own. Yeah, and then just making sure that. But yeah, and, and supporting, supporting Etsy shop owners or other creators that are doing this work and sharing it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I agree. Yeah. Um, now I wanted to talk to you, obviously you said before you work a lot with deity work, and this is mm -hmm. something that I get questions about all the time. Um, so I wanted to hear from you. Um, I want to pick your brain about this because oh. obviously you've written a book, you've got one about Hecate, Bridget, and then there's the Morrigan. So mm -hmm. are they ones that you work with um, as a group? Are they... Do you, have you kind of gone through a time where you were exclusively worked with one or how did it all pan out? Like how, how does that work? Do you work with all of them? Do you have specific things for them? What do you do with them? Well, so Bridget was the first goddess that re, that I was exposed to. And I still credit that journey with Bridget in the life that I have now. Mm -hmm. um, really, she led me. I, I do believe that firmly she led me out of now i'm starting to sound like my baptist relative she led me out of the path of wickedness <laughs> and into the righteous path but no seriously i was i was just a i was a crazy party girl with a, some a, in some really destructive relationships and then as soon as i accepted bridget as my lady savior <laughs> then all of a sudden you know boom those relationships are all gone and then i met my husband and mm -hmm. you know really started they started getting published and started you know really being the writer i wanted to be so she really was my primary goddess for a long time yeah um one thing that a lot of of irish practitioners will say native irish practitioners say when you invite one the whole family is likely to come yeah. along too. <laughs> and so yeah. you know the morgan eventually was just was showing up and she's like hey i want a book and i'm like okay let's, let's do this thing and so I, you know, did one for her as well. And Akate had always just been, it kind of been on the periphery. Um, you know, it was so funny for years. I kept, I kept having these students that were, were very, very tightly connected to Hecate and they wanted training as witches or priestesses. And I would ordain them or train them, you know, working with Hecate. Um, but it's Hikate kind of came with me during a, a really intense period of burnout for witchcraft. Um, yeah. What happens when you don't do enough of your self work? Um, yeah. You know, and and she really came in and told me, listen, if you don't back up and and go the other the other way, you're gonna you're you're gonna lose all of your 
your magic. You're going to lose all of your spirit. You have to, you have to turn around. It took me several years to come out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt like she was the one to help me get back onto the path of wickedness (laughs) Um, because I had lost my way. Um, and she, um, she helped me get back onto the witch's path. Mm. It's Um, funny because I have a similar thing with her as well, where when I don't do anything for myself, she'll show up and it's kind of like that, you know, that older like sibling or someone that kind of like checks you and goes, what are you doing? Like, yeah. What are you, have you done that for yourself? And you go, well, no. And she goes, why you need to. And she does. Yeah. She's the same with me. She really just kind of wakes you up and go, come on, you matter as well. So do something for yourself or else you'll just hate it. Like you'll lose that passion you have. And how can you be convincing if you're not even practicing it yourself like how can it be authentic if you're not doing it properly you know you need to start with you and then the overflow is for other people yeah exactly and it's it's also you just like you said you're always going to have room to help everyone else Mm. if you start with yourself totally it's just this weird weird thing if you start with yourself you'll have room for everybody else Mm -hmm. I agree And so what would you say to someone who, who wants to, to get into deity work? How would you, what's the best place to start? And do you believe that a deity chooses you, you choose them, or it can be kind of a bit of both? I, I, I absolutely think it's a bit of both because mm. people will say, I've been reading a lot about this goddess and I feel called to them, but I don't know if they want to work with me. And my feeling is, well, if you are feeling called to them, then they're already calling to you. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like somebody says, how could, if you've never had sushi, how can you crave it? Yeah. You know? And so, but if you, you mean, I crave sushi all the time, but so I clearly (laughs) had plenty of it, but you know, if you, you got to try it at some point. So I feel like if people want to work with a deity and they don't know where to start, I would say read as much as you can about as many different deities as possible. And listen to yourself and when you like resonate where you react to one of them mm-hmm. such as well this this person this deity sounds like me mm-hmm. they sound like something that i've been through or they're going through something or they're really good at this part of life that i'm really struggling with yeah and you know you can just frankly introduce yourself to in the way you would introduce yourself to a person um, I think people do, I think witches in particular do really well if they have some kind of ritual and that ritual can be super, super simple. So like you can print out a picture of them. If anybody still has printers, I don't actually know anybody with a printer anymore or pull a picture a up on. It's really horrible. I hate it. Oh, my husband wants us to buy a new one. I'm like, sure. And then I just, <laughs> and then I just never help him find one. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so, and, and then, then I want one like three times a year. Oh so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it can, or pull up even a picture of them on your phone and set yeah. that on a table, light a candle, give them a small offering, cup of coffee, um, some cookies, a glass of wine. If you can, you know, if, if you are not someone who should be around alcohol, don't do that. You mm-hmm. know, a glass of juice is fine too. And just say, hi, I'm so-and-so I, I'd like to, you know, get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not make any lifetime pledges to any deities on the first date. No. Right? Because uh, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get out of those. Yeah. There's um, consequences. Just, yeah. And, mm. and so, I, and 
you know, you also don't have to do that. Uh, these these deities are polytheistic, so very. I, I've met people who swear that deities claim them and won't that won't let them work with anyone else. And I think that's, you know, that might be true for them in their circumstances. There may be a specific reason why that deity wants them for themselves mm-hmm. for either a period of time or their lifetime. But that's not a universal thing. No. Yeah. No, I I work with three, and I I don't. I couldn't, I don't feel like I could just work with one because for me, they kind of come and go and they appear in their own way when I need them. And there are times when I go, well, I don't know how I could work with you here because your energy doesn't fit that. But I know if I called you in, that makes more sense to me. So yeah, if you can, if you do have a relationship with one and it works for you and you've got that equal kind of balance of they can fulfill all kinds of areas then that's great for me I kind of like having a gang yeah mm. yeah an entourage an entourage yeah a magical they all show entourage. Up. <laughs> yeah. um so we're about to go into in bulk here um so can you talk to me about Bridget because obviously in bulk and Bridget they come together very nicely so what's your relationship like with her and can you tell people a little bit about her because I, she was my first one as well um she brought me onto my wicked path and I have a very soft spot for her I love her but I would love to hear your journey with her and to talk a little bit about her well so um you know, it's a lot of my journey with Bridget. I, I do mention in in the book I have with her, not to like I'm trying to uh, throw your question off. It's just it's a no. very long story, and I'm like, wow, yes, yeah. So it's like I said, she was the first goddess I met on my journey. Um, you know, I I did make an oath to her, and she had my life in a twist until I completed it. Um, you know, I I when I did really commit myself to her, she turned my world upside down. But I really needed that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to admit it. But she's like, listen, you got to stop dating that married man. He's not Polly. He is. He's just fucking around. And <laughs> you know, let's let's get let's get that one out the door. I got yeah. somebody better come in. And um, you know, and I met my husband soon after that. So um, you know, but like with with all gods. There's, there's times where ups and downs. And it's like over the last few years, there were times where I was not on speaking terms with Bridget. I was mad yeah. and I would deliberately not light up that altar. I was like, <laughs> I'm not lighting your candle. I'm not, I'm not talking not speaking to, you. to you right now. I'm not speaking <laughs> to you right now. No, we're not, we're not talking. And, um, you know, cause we had some pretty serious losses over the last few years and was just kind of like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Cause if this is your plan, fuck off like that yeah, was exactly. just kind of was my what is you know and if this wasn't your plan then i don't know what you're you know the, where were the, what you? the hell is this all this, mm. what the hell was all this about you know so but that's like a very human totally thing is to just get so angry at you have to blame your something. higher power and your guts yeah when something mm. is like that and you know i i always kind of felt like she was patiently saying okay go have your tantrum and you just come back when you're when you're ready yeah you know um and um so then it's so then there's now just kind of still a i would say it's kind of a fragile piece between us um (laughs) that i do light my candles to her she does get offerings um but i'm not you know like oh bridget what do you need i'm just kind of like okay you know we're, we're we're good on that um you know she is she's she's a mysterious goddess in that 
through the Irish lore, we don't really know a whole lot about her as a goddess. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of lore out there about St. Bridget, and there's a lot of people who do believe that those that the goddess Bridget and St. Bridget have some kind of connection. Um, I operate on the assumption under the assumption that they do, Mm -hmm. you know, so to me, St. Bridget is the goddess Bridget. There's not a whole lot of strong evidence that links these two. There's just an awful lot as, as a Orla Minxie Costello, who's an Irish priestess says, she's like, a lot of our ancestors didn't write down. So we're all just trying to guess. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know that she came and some of the earliest irish myths that she came with the original to Adidanu to ireland um and what is she the, what she was known for bringing poetry in the forge mm-hmm. which um sometimes when i see memes of her she's like tapping nicely on the forge and yay and she's like <laughs> happily saying a poem and yay well the thing is you gotta look at the context in that celtic civilization all over europe not just in ireland all over europe came from the use of ironwork like it mm-hmm. was the it was when they inherited the technology from from the chinese of how to make a forge mm-hmm. how to smelt iron that they actually built their civilization so when you see bridget with a forge she's not just there making a horseshoe which no, is it's own really hard it. work it's no it's it's literally she said this is the goddess of revolutionary technology that changes the way people live mm-hmm. you know so it's it's so much and then also with with poetry um that you know that this is how from what we understand that the celts and the ancient irish would keep their history was through poem this yeah. is how they yeah. put their their lineage and they could, could curse people with a poem um you know the written word even today in ireland is is so so very valuable mm-hmm. um you know the the art of language and the language in in irish is just is so uh, very much full of poetry and magic yes. itself so it's it's there is a lot of power in a pretty poem no no doubt about it but there's a lot more there that i think we've lost we don't have context for particularly mm. outside of ireland and so this is like a tool of pres- this is like a tool of preserving history it's a tool of making profound change mm-hmm. and um and and really you know in using words as either healing balms or weapons so that's mm-hmm. the, that's what she has and but which we don't see her using those things that much in in mythology um there's one specific myth it's very very sad that um but that she married Bress in kind of a peace kind of a peacekeeping agreement she married you know and that her husband her husband and her husband's people turned against her own people and there was a lot of war and there was a lot of death and you know her own son that she had with Bress ended up being killed because he was acting, you know, acting as a spy essentially against his mother's wow. people for his father's people. And so she invented keening like a kind of, um, you know, a great emotional, um, almost a spiritual kind of wailing, mm. you know? So that's like only thing we see her in mythology is marrying a guy to try to keep the peace and then losing her son. Yeah. Because, you know, after this incredibly painful, um you know family and societal you know conflict and so um you know the stories of saint bridget she has a lot of qualities of these older irish goddesses like there are stories about saint bridget handing off her staff when ireland's being invaded and screeching at the invaders which is a very you know uh irish and celtic war goddess thing to do yes. is to scream and, yeah. and chase off the that's something that the that the celtic women all over the celtic world used to do is to scream and terrify the enemies so you know so she she embodies that that element um 
you know, she's very, she it's, she's very much connected with um, ways to, uh, and again, I'm speaking as, as though the goddess and the saint are one, because that's just what I choose to ascribe to, yep. but other people are going to have different thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so through that, she's very much connected with um, domesticated animals, cows, um, you know, sheep, lambs, you know, even in some cases, roosters, and just um, being very um, animals that that support the community through their food or their other products. Yep. Um, and, you know, she was a goddess. She's connected with um, early spring um, because it's it was Imolk is the start of Irish springtime. And mm -hmm. well, you know, y'all are you're on there the brink of your own your own early days of spring as well. Thank God. Yes. Uh, oh, Yay! I know. <laughs> we had a long we had a long, long, long wet winter as well. Yeah. Um, but she um, there's a sense of bringing life back into the world after mm. after dormancy. Um, it's a time of when, you know, the land's awakening again, the animals are providing milk, there's fresh food. It's, you know, it's, it's a time of, of relief after a time of what it might've been of hunger and starvation. Yes. So it's, um, there's, there is something that's blessed about her. I do think that sometimes she is misunderstood in a lot of neo-pagan circles as being a hearth and home and sweet and love and light goddess. Mm -hmm. Cause I remember when I was peddling my books somewhere someone said oh I don't I they're like I only work with dark goddesses so she didn't want to read my book on Bridget well I first off I hate that term lighter dark yeah. goddess. it's just it's it's bullshit you know um but I also think if you think Bridget is all sweetness and light you no. don't really haven't gone near her no. because she'll fuck you up totally she will she's yeah. Irish man they're not all well, sweet she, and innocent <laughs> Well, you know, and they're like, well, she's some kind of foster mother. And there's the sense of mother goddesses being sweet and loving. And whenever I teach nice. a class, I say, who in thin. here is a parent? I'm like, who here is a parent? And they raise their hand. I'm like, would your kids say you're all sweetness and light? They're like, oh, fuck Absolutely no. Absolutely not. My kids think I'm the devil. I'm like, yeah. yeah. They need to get shit done. And they don't do it by going, can you please go? Like she, she tells you what she thinks, even if you don't want to hear it. Oh, no, I know for sure. I'm actually very excited because I have your book that I'm about to read as like oh, my yay. in bulk, you know, gift. So I'm so excited now that you've said all that. Oh, I'm good. like, my brain is like, yes, information. Well, I hope you like it. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll tell everyone how amazing you are as I read it. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Now here comes my ego again. <laughs> um, so now we've talked about what you do in the morning. Do you have an evening ritual? I limp upstairs and go to bed. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I probably need, it would be probably, I'm gonna say I'd need to, but probably good for me to have more of an eating ritual. But the truth is right now in my life, I'm honestly many days working from 6 a.m. to about 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. And there's just not much left of me no. after eight o'clock. <laughs> no, well, that, that's your gift then, isn't it? Getting some sleep. Yes. Yes. It didn't happen last night because we've got, you know, Independence Day holiday this weekend, oh, so which means too? my neighbors yeah. are already blowing up shit. <laughs> and my dog, my dog did not let us sleep last night no. because he was, th he thought it was the apocalypse because all these fireworks were going off. So he was, had us like here he does he didn't want us to have the bedroom door closed so we open it so then he kept slamming the bedroom door and then begging us to open it because that would actually get us out of bed and so that we could he could alert us that the world, the world was, was ending. To an end. 
But well, that's nice though. That, at least he cares. It's nice to have that. Yeah, he could be like, whatever. You can die. Oh yeah, the cats. The cats. <laughs> the cats are like, I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat you first if I, if you die. You know. Yeah. That's the thing is when you have multiple cats, especially you love them. You know they love you, and you also know which one is gonna start eating your corpse if you die. One hundred percent. And my cat you would know. eat me first out of everyone in our family. She'd be like, I'm going for you. I know you feed me. I know you give me everything I want, but I've got problem with you, and you're you're going down first. <laughs> cats they're such assholes cats. Want to be. <laughs> all right so i've got five questions for you to end these are like the spitfire around right. getting to know you ones yes okay, okay first one what is a movie you could watch a thousand times and never get sick of probably the goonies oh yes yeah that's a good one yeah i could watch yeah yeah, they actually just found that pirate ship for real because it was Ooh. based on an or yeah, it's based it's quick, quick thing is wrapping up, but it was based on an actual legend out here in Oregon that there was yes. some kind of Spanish pirate ship or a Spanish trading ship rather that washed up on the beach. Um, the natives for generations had talked about it and um, that that myth or that story inspired Steven Spielberg to do the Goonies. And like just last month, archaeologists found the remains of what they think was that ship. So cool. no one-eyed will, no one-eyed Willie, no, uh, no, no buried treasure, yet. no gold coins, not yet. Um, <laughs> some trails of some some beeswax. Some uh, you know they're we're getting closer. Yes, that's yeah, we're getting closer. Yeah. Um, what's a book that changed your life? Um. As an author, I expect an answer from this one. Yes, I know. I think it was probably Temple of My Familiar by Alice Walker. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Really helped me understand goddess and deity in a much more, uh, yeah, that's 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 the one that I think probably changed my life the most. Beautiful. Um, is there an animal that you have a special connection with? Well, my big stinky husky mix, yes, absolutely. Aww, but if there's sweet. like, yeah, if there's if there's a specific creature outside yeah. of, um, I would say it's the dragonfly. Yeah, um, they're beautiful. Yeah, they are, and they got things right the first time. They really haven't evolved much since the dinosaur days. They just figured themselves out, and they mm -hmm. really, you know, they they're a little smaller than they used to be. Um, they're really good at what they do. They're the the most ruthless killers in the animal kingdom. If you're <laughs> They are. They have like a 97% kill rate. So wow. if you're a gnat, if you're a gnat and a dragonfly is after you, you're fucked. You're That's done. it. There's no, there's no question. Goodbye. So um, when I see dragonflies, it's a sign to me that I'm in the right place at the right time. Beautiful. I love yeah. that. Um, is there a place that you, where would you go if you could travel to it right now? I really want to go to Alaska. I've not been. Yeah. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. I want to go up there and look at caribou and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like Alaska would just be everywhere you look is beautiful. Yeah. Just one of those sure. places where like, oh, it's just so beautiful. Nothing is ugly. Yeah. All right. Last one. Uh, what does happiness look like for you? For me or when I see it? For you. 
I would say it's sharing books with my niece and nephew. Yeah. Yeah. I That's totally got my nephew answer. into Yeah, I got totally got my nephew into Tolkien. Ugh. And so he got I gave him the Lord of the Rings series for his birthday. And yeah, this is picture of him just like <gasps> when he realized what it was so yeah good answer i love that and i gave my niece a book on mermaids and Ah. she just sat down and told me everything about mermaids because there's just in a very scientific you know clinical way like mermaids do this mermaids do that mermaids do that and i'm like awesome that's the best books are such a gift i love that well thank you so much it was such a pleasure i feel like i could sit here for another hour and pick your brain even more um but i really really appreciate you being here and if you're listening you need to read courtney's books because as you just heard she's filled with so much wisdom so stop listening go and buy all of them sit and read them and come back message courtney tell her she's amazing Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. And you so have much. a wonderful springtime and congratulations Thank on making you. it through the winter. We did it. We survived. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.